We are in heaven, yes, because we're in the South, but we're in heaven also because heaven rhymes with today, 11-7. Happy November 7th to you here. It's the Y'all Show, and I'm John Rawl, and we've got a heavenly show headed your way today. Oh, goodness, we're going to, well, I don't know if it's heavenly or not. We're going to have an Arctic blast in some areas of the South here in the next couple of days if it hasn't already started to hit you. And so you better go get that heavy coat out of storage. You might need it in parts of the South here over the next couple of days. We'll tell you where and what you can do. In fact, because it's going to get really chilly We've got, thanks to the Centers for Disease Control, something you need to know about. The difference between a cold or maybe you got the flu. And we'll tell you the signs and symptoms in our way of kind of reaching out and helping all y'all here on the Y'all Show. See, we are so, so good to y'all. And and we appreciate it. We love being good to y'all. And you're good to us. And how are you? You're just good to us because you tune in on great radio stations or you download us at y'all.com every day or you're downloading us on any of the great streaming apps, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcast. We love being the show that's all about the South. If you want to connect to us here on the Y'all Show, our number is 803-816-1170, our website, y'all.com. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at y'all show and in addition to having headlines across the southeast we've got a bunch of political kind of the aftershocks of what happened tuesday as kentucky elected a democrat as governor virginia its house and its i guess delegates all became democratic they already had a governor northam in virginia that was a democrat but thank god for mississippi (laughs) y'all probably have heard that expression before but tate reeves holds on and he is the gop's uh going to keep that trend going it went from haley barber after he beat ronnie musgrove in the early 2000s haley to phil bryant and now tate reeves will be the next governor of the great state of mississippi and so we've got a bunch of political stuff to get to and other headlines from across the south before this hour wraps and as the hour wraps we'll take you to the beautiful mountains of western north carolina to highlands north carolina we go and this weekend it is a very special event going on in highlands which is a really special place beautiful and exclusive place in western north carolina and this weekend for a couple of days you've got the highland food and wine festival and the director of that festival casey reed will be on to break it all down what's going on in highlands north carolina carolina that's part of our festive south feature and that's heading your way in just a few minutes here on the y'all show when we get to the second hour we've got books on our mind as we begin the hour and we've got the list of the kirkus prize winners kirkus is a organization that is heavy into books and they've got a list of winners believe it or not now that we're in november we're kind of winding 2019 down and kirkus has their 2019 prize winners and we'll share that information with you when we get to the second hour. And then we'll go to Starkville or just outside of Starkville, Mississippi, for our next guest on our SEC Spotlight. And an hour to Jeremiah Short, who has worked with me for years on Bully Barkline and more in Starkville. And Jeremiah, is good. he's going to come on and break it all down, what's going on with Joe Moorhead's football team. The dogs aren't marching into the postseason. they got some work to do if they want to go back to a bowl game. And Jeremiah is one of the hosts of the Black Dogs Sports Podcast which is all about Mississippi State. 
get your cowbell on and get ready for Mississippi State Talk, plus lots of other SEC feedback from Jeremiah Short coming up in hour two. And speaking of football, don't forget, come Friday, we have the Y'all Kickoff Show, two hours of college football information, all right here on the show that's all about the South. Well, let's start our headlines here. And as we said, we're going to have an Arctic blast coming into most of the country over the next couple of days. This will work its way into next weekend as this cold front will push through with these winds. It started on Wednesday. It's going to go on through Saturday. This blast may be the coldest that we've seen of the year. That's not saying much, but I guess this factors in this early part of 2019 as you'll have this sweep across the eastern half of the U.S., into early next week and this weather pattern arriving in the northern plains and upper midwest and it will spread toward the east coast by friday and then it will be followed by even colder air early next week which might threaten daily records in a lot of states so when you ask what's going on with the forecast what is expected okay for example here's your highs predicted in some of our southern states and some of our southern regions Okay, your high for Washington, D.C. today, this is the high, is 65. Your high in Kansas City is 40, Atlanta 69. Okay, some of those temperatures weren't excessively cold, okay? But as we track forward a little bit into the weekend, your high in Atlanta, and I'm not even going to tell you the low, Atlanta's high Saturday 54. That's also what it will be on Friday. In Washington, it'll be 48 degrees. And even in, in Yankee land, in New York City, the low and or rather the high on saturday 42 so you know the low is going to be really really chilly as you'll have on friday morning temperatures dip into the 20s overnight as far south as the texas panhandle and then the 20s will also stretch as lows into arkansas tennessee north carolina by friday and on saturday so again if you live in tennessee kentucky arkansas and then as you work your way over toward the east coast for example the low for example on saturday in raleigh is going to be 29 degrees the low in nashville on saturday will be 25 degrees and even in the parts of florida that never see cold temperatures in jacksonville saturday the low will be 47 degrees and it's going to be cold so again if you've been wanting to wear that heavy coat you might just get your chance here this weekend with much below average temperatures going on between now and, and to November 13th. It's what the Weather Prediction Center is calling for. So be extra careful with some of these cold temperatures. But we know <laughs> 25 degrees, 17 degrees next week is what they're expecting. Nashville is a low on Wednesday. So, And I'm going to be in Nash Vegas next week covering the cma awards Woo, 17 degrees in nashville maybe i need to cancel my plans hey that sure beats what they're gonna have in chicago of 13 well that's only four degrees colder to be honest with you we're, we're getting the bad deal here coming into next week with some of these temperatures and with the temperatures in mind we come to this next story and this kind of public service announcement here from the y'all show with john rawl and that is how to tell the difference between a cold and the flu and the centers for disease control has this handy little guide that they've got out on social media and we'll walk through it now that we are kind of into november and it's going to get cold and it's going to get the sniffly and go into the doctor time of year and you need to go get your flu shot 
and the hashtag fight flu from the cdc by the way is it a cold or flu that is the question and i don't know why romeo and juliet didn't come up with that one is it a cold or flu signs and symptoms the differences between a cold and flu thanks to the centers for disease control if the symptom is onset if it is gradual then it's probably a cold if it's an abrupt symptom onset it's likely flu if you got fever it's rare in cases of a common head cold it's usual for you to have fever if you have the flu what about aches <laughs> i'm just hurting over here help me out if you got aches there's a slight chance it's a cold it's usually the case if you've got aches that you've got the flu what about chills fairly common for the flu that's always a sure sign you probably have the flu and you have chills uncommon with a cold what about feeling weak and being fatigued it's sometimes like that if you have the cold it's usual if you have the flu what about here's a difference we've been telling you all these bad things we're all with a flu and then not often with a cold well here's the reverse of that if you are a chewy sneezing a lot then you got a cold if you're sneezing a lot that means you might have a, a flu the flu but it doesn't always happen when you have the flu that you're sneezing okay sometimes is the definition of having a flu when it comes to sneezing what about a stuffy nose when when you go around and you talk like this and nobody can half understand you when you got that stuffy nose well that's very common with a common cold and it sometimes happens when you have the flu all right now this one i had recently i had to go to the doctor about this and it wasn't a cold or the flu i had a sore throat and it was it was pretty tough especially when you have a talk show and having a sore throat is pretty common with a cold and it is sometimes common with the flu what about chest discomfort and coughing and uh, you're over there hacking it up it's mild to moderate with a cold it's very common to have chest discomfort and coughing when you have the flu and then finally if you got a headache that's usually the case with a flu it's not so much with a cold rare cases of colds do you have headaches and again this information coming to us from the centers for disease control as we try to get ahead of things again get your flu shot let's try to all get through this winter time and the in case of right now fall early fall together but that is a little helpful guide thanks to the cdc and maybe that will get you through here this cold front coming your way perhaps over the, the next few days now as promised we've got political news to highlight here on today's y'all show and we'll start off with what happened in kentucky on tuesday night as voters elected the democrat as the governor of kentucky andy Bashir. well matt bevan the governor currently who evidently is going to lose a seat he wants a re-canvas of the vote and that's all happening while Bashir is starting his transition team in Frankfort, Kentucky. Now, Bashir is Kentucky's state attorney general, and he said on Wednesday he's confident in the election outcome, saying any review would show he won the hard-fought campaign. At a news conference, Bashir said whatever process that the governor chooses to go down, it's not going to change this overall number of votes. We are going to take the steps to move forward to make sure that we are ready on the day that we're inaugurated. And with 100% of precincts reporting, Bashir led by a little over 5,000 votes out of the more than 1.4 million votes cast in Kentucky 
on Tuesday. And one of the real reasons that he was able to win this election, Bashir, that is, is there was a heavy turnout. I don't think too many people thought that you'd see 1.4 million people go to the polls and vote on Tuesday in the bluegrass state. But that's what happened. And in the suburbs, we know that that was a big difference maker in places like Lexington and Louisville, even in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And therefore, you have, for the first time in a couple of years, a Democrat back in office in a couple of months when he takes the oath of office as the next governor of Kentucky. And remember, his daddy was a governor of Kentucky not all that long ago. Well, the Democrats not only celebrate in Kentucky, they also celebrate in Virginia this week as Governor Ralph Northam, the Democrat in charge of the Commonwealth, he laid out his vision on Wednesday for a changing Virginia, and that came a day after Democrats seized control of the General Assembly for the first time in more than two decades. And now you're going to see Virginia get very progressive if the legislation easily passes, as it should with a Democratic-controlled General Assembly, as the gains by the Democrats were largely powered by voters who wanted to see common-sense gun laws enacted in Virginia and Republicans who had adjourned a special session earlier this year called in response to a mass shooting in Virginia Beach in less than 90 minutes. They called that and had no results. And so you're seeing a change in Virginia and look for more progressive action coming in that Commonwealth of Virginia as a result of that. Now, don't forget, Mississippi also had its election, and they were able to keep – I mean, you talk about a Republican triumph. Republicans dominated every statewide election. Tate Reeves won the governor, a couple of percentage points, Victor, for that. And then all the other statewide races were somewhere around a 20-point win for the Republicans. So Mississippi is going to stay, as we said, if you're a Republican and a conservative this week, with all the headlines coming from Kentucky and Virginia, you have to say, thank God for Mississippi. Well, also, don't forget about Louisiana. In fact, President Trump hasn't forgot about the Pelican State. In fact, he was in the Pelican State on Wednesday evening as he had a huge rally in Monroe in the northeastern corner of the state as he's out trying to get votes for Republican businessman Eddie Rispone as he and John Bell Edwards are going to have their runoff election on Saturday, November 16th. That's just days away. Another week and a half, and you'll see Louisiana go to the polls and elect the maybe next governor, or they'll re-elect Edwards as the person to lead Louisiana going forward. But the president going back on the campaign trail, back into a Republican state, but a state with a Democratic governor in Edwards, and the president with another big rally that would be, what, his third rally in the South in the last six days as he started off in Tupelo Friday, and then he was in Lexington, Kentucky, Monday night, campaigning for Matt Bevin, and that didn't work out too good. And now back in Louisiana on Wednesday evening in Monroe, trying to get the Republican elected when they have the big November 16th election. Something tells me, because he loves going to those huge rallies, <laughs> something tells me President Trump's going to go back to Louisiana sometime next week. If if I had to take a, a wild guess, that, that's what's going to happen. Well, how about a political story that you don't see too often? And that is a decision by the electorate. The people vote and they vote to remove the name Martin Luther King from a street. And this happened 
in Kansas City, Missouri, as voters on Tuesday overwhelmingly approved removing the civil rights leader's name from one of the city's most historic boulevards. And this comes less than a year after the city council decided to rename the Paseo for Martin Luther King Jr. As the results from the election show that King's name received nearly 70% the decision to remove his name, 70% of the people voted to remove it and only 30% voted to keep the name Martin Luther King Boulevard there in Kansas City. And if they follow through with the vote, that will be changed and it will go back to being the Paseo. Now, keep in mind, I don't have all of the democratic demographic information of KCMO, but I would think the city is probably a minority dominated community. But even minorities, even black people don't like to see, in this case, a road that had been named Paseo for so long changed to Martin Luther King Jr. Road. And look, there's a Martin Luther King Jr. Road in just about every town in America now. And this road here that they chose to rename, they like that name Paseo and they don't want that name Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe they can give it an honorary name of Martin Luther King Jr. But they want to, uh, again, based on the election, 70% of Kansas City residents of Kansas City, Missouri, in this case, said, strip down Martin Luther King and put back up Paseo, P-A-S-E-O, which I don't know where that name came from. I need a Kansas City historian to write us here and, and let us know. But yeah, that looks like that's going to get changed in Kansas City. Now, a name from the past and not that long ago, by the way, past Jeff Sessions, he was at Northwestern University, Evanston, Illinois this week, and he had to be escorted from an appearance at Northwestern under heavy security amid a cancel culture protest there at this somewhat Ivy League. It's not an Ivy League school, but it's very intellectual, the people that go there. And here is a guy who pretty much got ostracized from President Trump going to speak. And Jeff Sessions of Alabama, the former U.S. Attorney General, let's be honest, he's kind of been somewhat secretive, and we haven't heard a lot about him since he left Washington. Yeah, he showed up at this event at Northwestern and pretty much got ran out of the building. As video emerged with online, it, it shows protesters trying to enter the building from a rear entrance until a group of police officers intervene. And this new term, and, and even President Obama, of all people, weighed in on this term, cancel culture, over the weekend, I think it was, and he's not a fan of it. This is where they this these the the mob. Let's be honest, that's what it is. It's a virtual mob. They come out and try to cancel people totally, kill them virtually, <laughs> and not not literally, but kill them, remove them, erase them as if they never existed because they disagree. The cancel culture. And sometimes people who they want to go after deserve some criticism. No doubt about it. The people that have committed sex crimes and the people who've done other things. But Jeff Sessions has not done anything except for the cancel culture. He, he supported President Trump in his bid to be elected president. And then he was the attorney general. And these people, frankly, just don't like conservatives and Republicans, in, in my opinion. And so you can cancel culture me if you'd like there cancel culture community all right one more story before we take a quick break u.s productivity has fallen for the first time in nearly four years as with an economic growth slowing in part because of the stimulus from the trump administration and tax cuts fading economists worry that worker productivity will follow suit as most economists believe that the trump administration's trade war with china has discouraged businesses from investing more in product productivity enhancing tools 
such as computers and machinery, offsetting the benefits from the 2017 corporate tax cut. On Wednesday, the Labor Department said that productivity, a measure of economic output for each hour worked, it fell 0.3% in the third quarter. The drop comes after two quarters of healthy gains. So some economic news as productivity fallen for the first time in a couple of years and not the best of news, but listening to the president, he's going to tell you how booming we are. And frankly, I think we are, but I'm no economist, so I can't guarantee what he says is true, but it must be true. There's a lot of people doing pretty darn good these days and a lot of companies around the South that are doing pretty darn good. And that's what we like to hear. We've got more headlines from Dixie coming up after this short timeout. And don't forget, later this hour, we'll be joined by Casey Reed of the Highland Food and Wine Festival in Highlands, North Carolina. And that awesome event is going on this weekend, and we'll tell you all about it. Stay tuned to y'all. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. Purple Mattress. You too can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting OFFER to 84888. And now for a limited time, receive a free Purple product with your order. When you text OFFER to 84888, that's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. back on y'all talking all things southern and some sad news coming from west tennessee in arlington tennessee on wednesday two people who were contractors for the tennessee department of transportation were killed and a state trooper injured the accident hurt happened early on wednesday at mile marker 26 of interstate 40 according to the tennessee highway patrol Two workers with A&A safety from Ohio were replacing reflectors in the middle of the road when they were struck and killed. A trooper from the Tennessee Highway Patrol was injured when his patrol car was also hit, and he was taken to the Regional Medical Center in Memphis for treatment. But our thoughts to the victims here in this horrible accident on Interstate 40 outside of Memphis. And remember, as the Tennessee Department of Safety has published, unfortunately, in their announcement of this horrible tragedy from Wednesday, their campaign, Move Over, Slow Down. It is so easy when we travel the highways and byways of Tennessee and any other of our southern states to not pay attention to those people working 
And in this case, this was early, early in the morning. I'm sure they had the big bright lights out working there on Interstate 40 in the Memphis area. And even with that, I'm sure the trooper had the lights going as they often do in construction zones. And someone unfortunately plowed into the trooper's car and killed these two workers on Wednesday. And unfortunately, they lost their life. All lanes of Interstate 40 reopened around 930. I know that had to be a horrible commute for those in West Tennessee on Wednesday morning. The Tennessee Highway Patrol and the Shelby County Sheriff's Office were both called to the scene to work this accident, but a horrible deal. And we hope the trooper is out of the hospital and doing as well as possible as soon as possible. Now, can you believe today marks the 10th anniversary of the attack at Fort Hood in Texas? That attack killed 13. A ceremony was held this week at Fort Hood in Killeen, Texas, to remember those victims of the November uh, 2009 attack where 13 people killed and more than 30 others injured. When then U.S. Army Major Nadal Hassan opened fire at the base, Hassan was sentenced to death for the killings. But the Colleen Daily Herald reports that many of the victims' families expressed frustration that no execution date has been set for Hassan, who is among four soldiers on military death row. So we did, that's a name we haven't heard from, Hassan, this major again in the Army, who went on this killing spree. Now, these many years later, 10 years, marks the unfortunate day at Fort Hood in Texas that these 13 people killed and many others injured in this horrible domestic terrorism incident from 10 years ago in north carolina a 13 year old double murder suspect has escaped after a court appearance and a massive search has ensued and the north carolina department of public safety said at a news release that the escape team identified only as jericho w escaped on tuesday after going before a judge in lumberton north carolina that's sort of on the south carolina border Oh, probably hour and a half inland from the Atlantic Ocean from Wilmington, southeastern North Carolina is where we're talking about. And a manhunt now for this 13-year-old accused of double murder 24 hours after the teen gave officials the slip following a court appearance. Division officials have a high degree of concern for the safety of both the juvenile and the public due to a prior history of assaultive and unpredictable behavior. The Robeson County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina said... Via Facebook, the teenager escaped from the custody of the state's Department of Public Safety Transport team as he was scheduled to appear in court for two counts of first-degree murder and robbery with a dangerous weapons charge. Not clear if the teenager was being charged as an adult or juvenile, but if you're on the lookout, look. there's a photo, a mugshot. I guess it would be considered a mugshot. This doesn't quite look like the ones we are used to seeing, but we're talking about a 13-year-old here uh, now going to court for a, a double murder. And now on the lamb, and you can go to various sites and look for Jericho W. as he is still a juvenile, but being charged with two killings of men in North Carolina. And we need to try to find him, if at all possible. If you're going to be in the capital of Little Rock, hey, you need to know about this today, November 7th. A lot of the landmarks around Little Rock, Arkansas are going to go teal And the reason for that, it's going to be to bring Alzheimer's awareness to residents of the natural state. So, yes, you'll see various landmarks in a lovely place, Little Rock. And these landmarks include the Big Dam Bridge, Two Rivers Park Bridge, and Union Plaza Building, all in Little Rock. And they'll be lit up in teal to, again, raise 
Awareness of Alzheimer's is part of the Alzheimer Foundation of Arkansas and America's Light the World in Teal program. This is an annual event, and it should make a difference. And more than 5 million Americans, including 94,000 Arkansans, are currently living with Alzheimer's disease. The number of people with Alzheimer's projected to nearly triple by the year 2060, and that's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you want to learn more about the Light the World in Teal program, maybe bring it to your town or community. Maybe you can even pull it off today, but if not, get ready for it in 2020. Go to the website alzfdn.org slash light the world in tour in Teal. And you can learn a lot more about this effort to bring awareness of Alzheimer's, a horrible, horrible disease that is more and more apparent and unfortunately don't really have a cure for it. And we hope maybe we'll find a cure for that cancer and all these other problems. A landmark place in Maryland has closed after 83 years in Anne Arundel County. Snyder's Willow Grove Restaurant has closed. It's going to close at the end of January. According to the owners, they put this out on Facebook. After all these years, closing at the end of January next in 2020, the family went on Facebook to stop rumors that they were closing two years ago. And now, unfortunately, this place, which has 4,500 square feet in the Burwoods Village Center on Baltimore, Annapolis Boulevard and Glen Burnie, is closing a landmark place. It's hard for any restaurant to survive a year, to be honest. And here, the Snyder's Willow Grove Restaurant outside of Washington, D.C., closing after 83 years. Long time. And I know a lot of people in Maryland are going to miss that location. And finally, as we wrap up our headlines here on this Thursday Y'all Show, how about another bear story? <laughs> we had one for you the other day where a man and a bear fell out of a tree. It sounds like I'm telling you a joke, but yeah, they fell out of the tree. The bear ended up dying and the man survived. That was good news. Well, here is another man versus bear story. Why don't we throw in a dog too? Man, dog versus bear. Okay. Officials in North Carolina say a man and his dog were bitten by a black bear that was trying to defend her cub. And this happened in Spruce Pine, as state wildlife resources officers told the Asheville Citizen Times that a homeowner's Great Dane got into a fight with a mama bear Saturday in the yard of this home in Spruce Pine, North Carolina. And the man was bitten on his arm while trying to break up the fight. The dog also suffered puncture wounds. Both were treated and released from hospitals on Saturday evening. Officials took samples of the bear's blood and fur in the yard and they won't seek to euthanize the bear, just trying to protect its little ones. Another man helping tree a bear near Mount Sterling on Saturday was bitten and rolled down a slight cliff with that bear. That was the one I told you. I think that bear died in that episode. But yeah, those North Carolina black bears are getting a little aggressive, perhaps. Well, I can see in this case in Spruce Pine, it was a mama bear protecting her cub. And uh, good news here, in both cases, the human beings and even the little doggy, the great thing, that's not a little doggy. They all live to tell it and lived another day than the bears, luckily, in the spruce pine example, lived to tell another day and survived and didn't have to get euthanized. And that's great news. And that is a quick look at what's going on across the southeast here on the Y'all Show. Speaking of North Carolina and western North Carolina, there's a few black bears around Highlands, North Carolina. But that's not what's on people's minds there this weekend in Highlands, North Carolina. 
a wonderful place way up in the mountains, big mountains in this part of North Carolina and the western portion. We have this weekend, what we have is the Highland Food and Wine Festival, and the director of that, Casey Reed, is going to come on after the timeout here and tell us all about what's going on and how you need to get to Highlands, North Carolina. Google it. Find out how long it's going to take you, and you can participate in this awesome food and wine festival going on for a couple of days this weekend. And that conversation is coming up after the break here on Y'all. Would you get on an airplane if you knew it had a 50% chance of crashing? You may be riding that plane right now. If you have your money in a 401k or IRA and you plan to take out the recommended percentage each year when you retire, your chance of running out of money is 50%. 50%. But there's a better and safer way to secure your income in retirement. Discover how in a free book called Rescue Your Retirement. This wealth building strategy has never had a losing year in more than a century. In fact, even the man who invented the 401k now prefers this method instead. Get Rescue Your Retirement free for just a small shipping charge and enjoy a safe landing and a comfortable retirement. Get this free book and make sure you don't run out of money. Hurry, this offer is extremely limited. To get your free copy, just go to growwealthsafely.com. That's growwealthsafely.com to discover how to rescue your retirement. GrowWealthSafely.com. Early Monday morning to Friday at five, man, I work, 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 but I don't climb, climb, climb. Boss man can shove that overtime up his can. All I want to do is put a drink in my Fantastic song there from my North Carolinian, Eric Church. And we've got North Carolina on our mind. Welcome back to the Y'all Show. It is our Festive South here on this Thursday edition. This is where we spotlight an area of the region that's got something really neat going on. And in Highlands, North Carolina, coming up in just a handful of days, they're going to have a really cool event going on. It's the fourth Highlands Food and Wine event. And from that festival, we welcome in a very special guest to tell us all about it, Casey Reed. She's the director, and she's joining us right now. Welcome into the Y'all Show, Casey. Thanks for having us. Are you getting ready? You got the wine and food all ready for us? We do. We have over 42 restaurant partners and chefs in attendance. We have 43 different winemakers, craft beer brewers, and spirits coming on board so people will have plenty to eat and drink well highlands if you don't know where it is i can do my best description of where it is on the map essentially it's western north carolina right at the georgia border not far from the south carolina border kind of tucked in in the mountains there is that a pretty good description or can you kind of help us out a little bit more casey it is. It's it's in the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's technically in Macon County. It's a beautiful hidden gem um, on a plateau at 
4,000 feet above sea level. So Highlands has been a great summering spot um, for a long time um, to folks from Atlanta and Florida, but the word is getting out, and um, it's a, it's really a special, beautiful place. Yes, it is in North Carolina, don't be mistaken, but it's pretty connected, to, I guess, to, to the Atlanta area. Heck, y'all might even be in the Atlanta television market there. Does that sound right? Um, we The festival hasn't um, done any television marketing there, but certainly it Highlands has been a vacation destination for Atlanta residents for mm-hmm. a long time, yes, to get and, away from the heat especially. And, of course, you're not far from Greenville, South Carolina, in the upstate of South Carolina. That might be the area that's got, uh, I guess, the more shopping if you need to get away from Highlands. So it, it's a great place, and it's a great place to go year-round. But come November 7th through the 10th, it is the 2019 Highlands Food and Wine. And like we said, this is a place you want to go year-round. But if you've been kind of debating, I don't know if we're going to go to Highlands or not, well, come up here on the 7th through the 10th, and, and you come and enjoy this food and wine event. And as you said, you've got all these different choices of food and wine alike. What is the selection process? for what you choose to have there at the festival yeah this year we we have five signature events but we have been sold out actually since july we've enjoyed a real surge in word of mouth and the the word has definitely gotten out about this festival and how special it is um we have five signature events from thursday through sunday but in addition to that um there are community events and wine dinners that local folks put on as well and that we promote through our festival channels. Um, and there still are some um, things available um, with those things, including incredible wine dinners and tastings um, throughout Highlands and with our award-winning local restaurants. We're talking about the upcoming Highlands Food and Wine event, November 7th through 10th. We're visiting with Casey. And, hey, Casey, how does one, when they have the food and wine there, do you have, uh, it's okay now for you to name drop. Can you give us an idea of maybe some names of chefs or businesses that are a part of your event that some of us may be familiar with? Absolutely. Along with our um, great local restaurants, we have visiting chefs from all over the southeast that come in for our signature events um including justin burdett and bill smith of crook's corner in raleigh you may have just seen them in garden and gun Mm -hmm. bill smith's a james beard award winner um we have carrie maury of cali's hot little biscuit which is an which they're enjoying huge success and notoriety out of charleston south carolina um and the lists go on and on as i mentioned we have 42 different um, culinary partners. Um, some of the big brands that are on board include um, Blade & Bow Bourbon, uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka. We have Camus Vineyards, um, Davis Family Vineyards, an incredible selection of wine and folks coming in from California. Um, and on the brewery side of things, we have... Oh, 12 different breweries, including Sierra Nevada, Wicked Weed, Highland Brewing, um, that all come in and, and folks are able to enjoy that as well. Well, it's going on this weekend. You don't want to miss it in Highland, North Carolina. And, and like we said, these people coming from Raleigh, you said Charleston and throughout the South, 
checking out this great event. Now, you have more than just people having food and wine. You've got a bunch of events scattered throughout the town, and you said some of these actually may be sold out. So let's not focus on the ones that we can't even go to here at the last minute. What are some of the great events that we can partake here that are available for the regular public to show up? Um, folks can visit our full lineup at www.highlandsfoodandwine.com. But just to give you an idea of what's still available, are, as I mentioned, are some great wine dinners and tastings in our town. So if folks go to highlandsfoodandwine.com and go to the wine dinners button, um, they can see the full list along with reservation information. But to give you an idea, um, our partners over at Half Mile Farm, which is all owned by Old Edwards, they have a special Chefs in the House series with Chef Todd Richards of One Flew South. We've got a special um, Camus and Wagner family wine dinner at Wolfgang's Restaurant and Wine Bistro. Um, and the list goes on and on. There's probably about seven or eight different wine dinners that still have availability on Friday and Saturday nights. All right. Again, this is this weekend, the Highlands Food and Wine. Go to the website, highlandsfoodandwine.com. And Casey, if you go there and you want to go to an event, if it's sold out, you're not going to be able to buy a ticket, right? It's going to say that it's sold out. It is going to say sold out. But go to the wine dinner and uh, wine dinner and community events buttons, and you will see what's available and all the information you'll need to make a reservation for those ancillary events. All right. And as part of this event, you're teamed up with the Highlands Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Center. And this is an event that is certainly fun, but you have a purpose here. You help out the community with this event each year. So, how does this benefit? Well, who all gets some of the proceeds from your event? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, Highlands Food and Wine was originally designed and continues to be a marketing vehicle for the town of Highlands during what's typically a shoulder season. But on top uh, of hold that, on, we, hold on, you're getting technical. What's shoulder season? So shoulder season for resort um, destinations may be. You know, they enjoy a huge um, amount of tourism in the summer months and then also at Christmas time and the holidays. But those shoulder seasons like um, November and then again, maybe in February, March before it gets warm again is typically a slower time for our restaurants, our retailers our, our, and our lodging partners. So this event was designed to really attract folks in a slower period of time and provide an economic boost for the town. Ah, okay. Well, makes on, on top, yeah, but on top of that, um, we, you know, really want to remain um, socially conscious. So we do that in a couple of ways. Number one are our greening efforts. We're trying to reduce our environmental footprint, and we compost and recycle um almost all of the festival waste um, we've diverted close to 10,000 pounds of waste out of our landfills so really trying to keep highlands beautiful and our surrounding environment beautiful the second way is that in the last three years we've given over $34,000 to the food pantry uh, there in highlands um, and feel like it's important to give back on that front this year, we have a new initiative. We have established a 
scholarship at the Culinary Institute of America in the name of Chef Lewis Osteen, who was a Highlands resident and really a pioneer of Southern cooking. Um, so we have established a legacy scholarship in his name at CIA that's an endowment. And so people who want to study the culinary arts will have an opportunity to apply for the scholarship and preference will be given to um, students from the, the Highlands area. Talking with Casey Reed, Festival Director at the Highlands Food and Wine, taking place this weekend. And Casey, when you're not directing this great event in Highlands, North Carolina, you are a partner at 11 events. I'm going to assume that's something in the food and beverage industry? No, we are a live marketing and event production company based in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Well, great. Yeah. But you probably are pretty knowledgeable on the food and beverage industry and everything else that involves that. We have. We've learned a lot, especially working on this festival, Um, but we have an extensive background with corporate um, events and live music events specifically. Um, We're an experiential marketing firm, yeah, here in in Greenville, and we have a pretty uh, diverse client portfolio, but Highlands Food and Wine is definitely a highlight of our year, and Mm -hmm. it's really a joy to work on. So we may have a lot of people in the upstate heading to Highlands. What What is that drive time to go between the two areas? Um, in, from Greenville, it's exactly two hours. Okay. So Highlands is pretty central, uh, whether you're coming from Atlanta or Greenville. Our key drive markets we found through event surveying for this festival um, include over 20 states but our key drive markets are greenville atlanta um, birmingham and northern florida specifically Mm. how about that well i've got to ask if you've made that two-hour drive to highlands here lately what's the leaves situation everything looking pretty there it's unbelievable i was just up there on monday and it's i would say it's probably hitting peak time Hmm this week so it's right. absolutely gorgeous we're we're really crossing our fingers for some great weather next weekend well i knew there was a reason you had you said the shoulder season was one reason but those leaves certainly make going there a destination here this time of november and you are a top 20 event from the southeast tourism society which is no easy feat what does that mean to be recognized by the peers in the tourism industry for having such a great event here in highlands north carolina it's really huge for us where you know as far as festivals go we are still very much in our infancy so to be included on this list um helping to tell the story of highlands and the absolute incredible destination that it is um means that we're doing something right and we really appreciate being recognized you are doing something right again go to the website highlandsfoodandwine.com to learn more you have tickets available there your lineup and events besides just food and wine that are happening in the town of highlands you also have information there for accommodation so since some of us aren't fortunate enough to live in highlands north carolina a lovely place to live We've got to get a hotel when we go there. What What is your best advice for that? Yes, we. there is a button on our website um, that says Highlands, North Carolina, and it gives a variety of lodging options from hotels and small inns to Airbnbs and house rentals. Um, 
you know, it's it, it it's not a big town, but there are some wonderful, wonderful choices um, depending on the experience you want to have. We have great partners like Old Edwards Inn and Half Mile Farm, um, but there's also great places like Park on Main and Highlands and Inn Lodge. So there's a variety of lodging options and price points. Well, if I can give a little testimonial for you here, Casey, I spoke to my mother last night about Highlands and she said that was a really nice place. So mama approves, and I think y'all will approve if you get to Highlands for the upcoming Food and Wine Festival happening this weekend. I can't thank you enough, Casey, for being our special guest, as Casey Reed is the festival director. And you can go again to the website highlandsfoodandwine.com to learn so much more about the event. Best of luck, Casey. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Well, that will wrap up our Festive South feature here today. Hang on. When we come back in hour two, we'll look at the weekend's SEC lineup. Some doozies going on in the Southeastern Conference. Plus, we'll have a little bit more of something that you're going to enjoy. All that coming up in hour two of the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, purple mattress. You know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a purple mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your purple grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund and give up the best night's sleep i've had since i learned to walk no way you're the only one i want to come home to purple mattress you too can come home to a purple mattress by texting offer to 84888 and now for a limited time receive a free purple product with your order when you text offer to 84888 that's keyword o-f-f-e-r to 84888 message and data rates may apply please do not text and drive see purple.com for terms and conditions If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. The Y'all Show Hour 2 Thursday Edition. I'm John Rawl, and if you love the Southeastern Conference, we have a great present headed your way in the next segment. We'll go to Bulldog Country. We'll go to those maroon bulldogs. We're going to Mississippi State. And Jeremiah Short, a longtime friend, is going to come on and help me break down all things Mississippi State as Jeremiah currently is the host of the Black Dog Sports Podcast and has covered Mississippi State sports for more than a decade. And he's going to be kind to come, kind enough to come on and tell us a little bit about what's going on with Joe Moorhead's program, which is fighting for its 
whole life. And we'll have a discussion whether the dogs are going to get that six win this year. And plus, we'll talk a little basketball as MSU's men's and women's teams have been really good the last couple of years. And we'll get Jeremiah's take on Mississippi State. Plus, we'll get him to weigh in on the big, the big game. And it doesn't have anything to do with Mississippi State this weekend. The big game is LSU and Alabama. And since Tuscaloosa is only about an hour and 10 minute ride down US 84 or 82, I never can get it. I think it's 84. 82 i think 84 goes south of interstate 20 and that's what's down around meridian i I think i'm right at that i I need to brush up on not my interstates but my old u.s highways but 82 i'm pretty sure that's the one that connects columbus and starkville to tuscaloosa and we'll find out what's going on about an hour away as jeremiah he kind of weighs in on that one here in our sec spotlight and that's coming up but first things first here on the y'all show we've got books on our mind and we have the 2019 kirkus prize winners as we begin this second hour of y'all with john rawl and i know some of you are saying what is the kirkus prize well first you need to know how to spell it it's k-i-r-k-u-s the kirkus prize it's one of the richest literary awards in the entire world with a prize of $50,000 bestowed annually to authors of fiction, nonfiction, and young readers' literature. It was created to celebrate the 86 years of discerning thoughtful criticism Kirkus Reviews has contributed to both the publishing industry and readers at large. Books that earn the Kirkus Star with publication dates between November 1st, 2018 and October 31st, 2019 are automatically nominated for the 2019 Kirkus Prize. The Kirkus Prize judges will select those winners, and they did that back at the end of October. So we have the winners of the Kirkus Prize for 2019. So without further ado, let's get into it. And some of these may be very, very close to you, and you may know what the heck I'm talking about. And some of these books, you might like, I wouldn't shoot that with my gun if I was having target practice. So let's start off with the first Kirkus Prize winner. And this comes to us, it is The Nickel Boys, as it wins in fiction and literature. This book came out back in July and the acclaimed author of the underground railroad follows up with a leaner meaner saga saga of deep south captivity set in the mid 20th century and fraught with horrors more chilling for being based on true life atrocities colson whitehead wrote this book the nickel boys and inspired by disclosures of a real-life Florida reform school's long-standing corruption and abusive practices. Whitehead's novel displays its author's facility with violent imagery and his skill at weaving narrative strands into an ingenious, if disquieting, whole. They love the fancy words when they do these reviews. The Nickel Boys, Colson Whitehead, one of your winners here in the Kirkus Prize. All right, next up, another good one in nonfiction. A winner is Seed Jones and How We Fight for Our Lives, a memoir. A memoir of coming to terms that's written in masterful control of both style and material. And this How We Fight Our Lives, again, a poet 
is Jones, and he tends less towards flights of poetic fancy and more towards understated matter-of-fact prose, all the more powerful because the style never distracts from the weight of the story, the sexual awakening and struggle for identity of a young black man raised in Texas by a single mother, a Buddhist, who herself was the daughter of an evangelical Christian. Where do they come up with this stuff? Saeed Jones, a memoir, How We Fight for Our Lives. And this is this winner of the Kirkus Prize. I told you a lot, I guess, goes into this, the mindset here on how they win this things. And this one is a nonfiction book from Saeed Jones. And probably a good book if you want to think about what the background was and where Saeed Jones is now in his life. Or, or, or she, I don't know if Saeed spelled S-A-E-E-D is a male or female i guess they're gender neutral new kid is in the children's category as a kirkus winner and this is penned by jerry craft with illustrations from craft and jim callahan and according to a review an engrossing humorous and vitally important graphic novel that should be required reading in every middle school in america And in the book, Jordan Banks takes readers down the rabbit hole and into his mostly white prep school and this heartbreakingly accurate, now keep that in mind, accurate middle grade tale of race, class, microaggressions, and the quest for self-identity. He may be the new kid, but as a black boy from Washington Heights, this stigma entails so much more than getting lost on the way to homeroom. All right, this one, a kid's book, an engrossing, humorous, and vitally important graphic novel that should be required reading to every school in America. That, a a statement from graphic fiction. And this book is out, and it is a Kirkus winner, penned by Jerry Craft. By the way, the age range, the suggested age range of New Kid is 10 to 14. So the perfect Veterans Day gift, perhaps. All right. Those are your winners. Those are the books that somebody gets 50,000 big ones bestowed upon them for writing these books. And and I don't think any of them probably sold millions and millions of copies. That's just an uneducated guess on my part. But I haven't seen these listed on the New York Times bestseller. And so I guess they're looking for a little bit more oomph, a little bit more of a conversation piece when they're coming up with these winners at Kirkus. Let me tell you about the finalists. These people did not win, but they are considered finalists for the Kirkus Prize this year, and these might be more up to your liking. Cantoras by Carolina de Robertis, and a stunning novel about queer love, womanhood, and personal and political revolution. This book came out September 3rd. It's a fiction book, and it is, again, Cantoras, C-A-N-T-O-R-A-S, from Carolina de Robertus, and it is a finalist in the Kirkus. The Kirkus. Kind of like the Oscar. Another finalist was Lala Lalami and the other Americans. A crime slowly unmasked a small town's worth of resentment and yearning. This one, I think, takes place in the West, in the Mojave Desert. The scene for this fiction book that came out in March. And it's the other Americans and a finalist from Kirkus. Another finalist, Lost Children Archive from Valeria Lucelli, a powerful border story at once intellectual at once intellectual and heartfelt. As a family tracks out to the American border with Mexico, 
hearing tales of broken migrant families all the way down. Something tells me that none of these books are going to be read or about President Trump in a positive side or conservative side. These are a little bit on the liberal side, if I had to guess, these finalists and winners from Kirkus. Uh, that's just a guess here. Territory of Light is another Kirkus finalist. This is from Yuku Tashmima, and it was translated by Geraldine Harcourt. And each chapter, according to the reviewer, is an elegant and self-contained as a pearl or a perfectly articulated drop of water. Don't know what it's about, but according to one source, this lovely, melancholy novel painstakingly documents a year in one young woman's life. Oh, that would be quite a story there. Territory of life. And it must be a young woman in Japan based on the name Yuku Toshima. Uh, again, an educated guess, but I would probably go to Vegas on that one. Ocean Wong has a book that's a finals from Kirkus. On Earth, we're really, or rather, on Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. A raw and incandescently written foray into fiction by one of our most gifted poets. As a young man writes a letter to his illiterate mother in an attempt to make sense of his traumatic beginnings. And this is in the fiction category of finalists from Kirkus. On Earth, we're briefly gorgeous. And I guess we're all gorgeous in heaven if we make it there. Not so gorgeous if you head the other direction. Again, just an opinion. And we have another finalist from Kirkus. And this is in the essays and anthologies category. And this comes to us from Hanif Abrikib. And it is called Go Ahead in the Rain Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. Even those who know little about the music, we'll learn much of significance here, perhaps learning how to love in the process. Okay. Again, not a bestseller to my knowledge. Another finalist. When Death Takes Something From You, Give It Back. Carl's book. And this is out, came out in September. A stirring, invented masterpiece of heartbreak. And this was translated by Denise Newman, written by an author by the last name of Naja Height. And a memoir of the author's struggle to find the words to mourn her son's death. Very depressing. A finalist book, I guess, is what we have here from Kirkus. Up next is Say Nothing, a true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland, a book written by Patrick Rodden Keefe. And is the biography section a harrowing story of politically motivated crime that could not have been better told? As Patrick Keefe has this book, Say Nothing, a finalist from Kirkus. Let me zip through a few more of these finalists before we wrap up and bring on Mississippi's State Talk courtesy of Jeremiah Short. Dina Nayeri's The Ungrateful Refugee, What Immigrants Never Tell You. That is a finalist in the nonfiction category for this book that arrived on September 3rd this year. Another finalist from Rachel Louise Snyder, and it's in the nonfiction category, No Visible Bruises, What We Don't Know About Domestic Violence Can Kill Us. Now, that book there would certainly be something a lot of people would be interested in reading and learning more from from Rachel Louise Snyder, No Visible Bruises. In the children's category, Imagine a Kirkus finalist, and this book written by Juan Felipe Herrera, illustrated by Lauren Castillo, a lyrical coming-of-age story in picture book form that begs to be shared. And that out in the children's category, a Kirkus finalist. 
Genesis begins again from Alicia D. Williams in the children's category. 13-year-old Genesis Anderson is a black girl who's been dealt a heavy hand in life. And you can read this book. It's in the children's area in Kirkus Reviews as a finalist in their awards here this year. The Undefeated from Kwame Alexander, illustrated by Kadir Nelson, another book in the children's category. An incredible connector text for young readers eager to graduate to weighty conversations about our yesterday, our now, and our tomorrow. On the Come Up by Angie Thomas. A joyous experience awaits. Read it, learn it, love it. The honest and unflinching story of toil, tears, and triumph is a musical love letter that proves literary lightning does indeed strike twice. This is in the fiction category from Angie Thomas on the come up. And our last Kirkus finalist comes to us from Juan Pablo Vilabalas, translated by Rosalind Harvey. And this is in the young adult category. The other side, stories of Central American teen refugees who dream of crossing the border. And this is out, of course, a very timely book in terms of the U.S.-Mexico border and all of the little ones that seem to be trapped on the border as family members, sometimes they're smuggled into this country, deal with making these illegal aliens be at least partially citizens or the quest to be a citizen one day or to live here legally perhaps or maybe they just want to live here legally all this covered i guess in this book the other side and it is out there now and a finalist among all these other finalists in the Kirkus prize again those winners we told you the nickel boys how we fight for our lives a memoir and new kid each one of those winners with a fifty thousand dollar annual prize given to the winners of each of those categories thanks to Kirkus. And you can go to KirkusReviews.com to learn more and keep up with all things books right on the internet. You can find this. And that is a quick look at books in our Buy the Book feature here starting out this second hour of today's Y'all Show. Well, we're going to have the good book of Mississippi State Sports read to us courtesy of Jeremiah Short. He's with Black Dog Sports Podcast. And he's coming on next to break down all things MSU. Hell, dear old state. We'll be right back with our SEC Spotlight. You don't want to miss it. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Well, look who's home. How was your day, hon? Uh, you know, stressful, exhausting. Lay down on me and we'll talk about it. Oh, Purple Mattress, you know how to support me. Hey, I'm just a mattress doing my job. You're more than that. You're a Purple Mattress. Who cares about a bed with numbers when I have your Purple Grid to comfort my body's pressure points? And forget memory foam. Your non-toxic, hyper-elastic polymer minimizes heat, keeping me cool and comfortable the whole night through. If you're happy, I'm happy. But you do 
have up to 100 days to return me for a full refund. And give up the best night's sleep I've had since I learned to walk? No way. You're the only one I want to come home to. Purple Mattress. You too can come home to a Purple Mattress by texting OFFER to 84888. And now for a limited time, receive a free Purple product with your order. When you text OFFER to 84888, that's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. From ooh to aww. Whatever reaction you're looking for this holiday, spread more joy with holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And now you can get up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at vistaprint.com. Discover cards in the latest trends or fill a calendar with your favorite photos. So make more merry at vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus great deals on photo gifts. Just enter code HOLIDAY50 at checkout. That's vistaprint.com. Code HOLIDAY50. Yes, it's okay to ring that cowbell. Yeah, especially after last week's thumping of the Arkansas Razorbacks. This is the Y'all Show, and I'm John Rawl, and we are all about the South. We're all about the Southeastern Conference here on Thursdays. And right now, we have our maroon and white glasses on, and we are going to showcase everything Mississippi State with my friend Jeremiah Short, who's one of the co-hosts of Black Dog Sports Podcast, which started earlier this year in a unique way of covering Mississippi State sports. And Jeremiah is back on the Y'all Show. Welcome into the show, sir. Oh, man, thanks for having me on. I'm kind of excited uh, just to connect with you again, man. Well, I'm excited, too. Let's have a contest. Who's more excited? <laughs> now, Jeremiah and I worked a long time ago together, and we've kind of stayed in touch, and I'm proud of the, the, the young guy. You still are just a youngin', in my opinion, Jeremiah, and and I'm proud of what all you got going. In fact, getting back into the talking about Mississippi State sports on a regular basis with Black Dog Sports Podcast. Welcome into the show, Jeremiah. Hey, thanks for having me, man. All right, well, will you and I go back a few years as you and I had the Bully Bark line that we produced for many years, all things Mississippi State, direct from Starkville, Mississippi. And now you've got a new enterprise that's all about Mississippi State, and that is the Black Dogs Sports Podcast. What what exactly is that, Jeremiah? Well, it kind of started with uh, one of my friends. He had a group, and he just decided he wanted to have a podcast, and he kind of approached me to send me a message and said, hey, uh, we're doing a podcast, man. I just, you know, I can't think of anybody else better to do it with. And I was like, sure, man, I'll do it. And I didn't think it would last long as far as anything outside of a month or two, because I've done other little podcasts and things for friends. And a lot of times they don't last very long, but people don't stay committed to it. But people stay committed to it. And we at least have a healthy uh, bunch of listeners considering we just started. So, you know, it's kind of good to be able to, now that we're consistent, every Tuesday we'll get together and just discuss the previous game and, We've had reaction shows to a lot of games, so that's been pretty cool. Just get on in a healthy way, discuss Mississippi State, which there's been a lot to discuss this season. So, obviously, we have a lot to talk about um, this particular season with us kind of 
not kind of struggling, but a lot of struggling yeah. this year. And again, an unusual pro- podcast out there in today's podcast world, this being an all-Mississippi State show, and it's delivered by three minority hosts, and that's kind of an unusual thing and, and a really unusual take that is a good thing. Remember, you, you, know, you look at the football team of any SEC school, it's minority-driven, and you guys have connections. I think you have former players that come on the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Yeah, we've had some um, pretty cool guests. Um, I, I want to say the first guy, who did we have come on? I want to say we had Derek Tate come on. He was a former MSU quarterback. I know we had a guy, John James. I think he was our last guest. Um, and we've had some pretty uh, – Greg Favors was a really good one. Uh, and a guy, Eugene Liger, he has another Facebook group himself. He played at Mississippi State. So we've had some pretty good interviews. We even had an opportunity to to get the real deal on the Jackie Sherrill bull castration story. So that was – that was pretty interesting in itself because I never heard the actual story. It was almost like an urban legend. But to hear the actual story from a player who was on the team and tell us what actually happened, that was pretty interesting um, to really just hear about. All right. Well, again, it's the Black Dog Sports Podcast. You can find it on your usual podcast homes, Apple Podcasts. I think I saw it in there. And you have a website for that, Jeremiah? No, we just have a group, and that's one thing we work on. But we do have like our anchor page where we have the podcast or house. So, but we don't have an official website yet, but we do have uh, the anchor site where we kind of have all where you can get them, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, or any of those of uh, those different platforms where you can listen to the uh, podcast. All right. Well, I'm going to pick on you because when you and I were running around a lot, when it came to the NFL, there were very few Mississippi State alumni <laughs> in the NFL ranks. Well, a lot's changed since 10 years ago, and every time I cut on the TV, I'm seeing a former Mississippi State Bulldog. It it might be that guy quarterbacking that team uh, in Dallas. (laughs) It might be Fletcher Cox, and you've got a lot of great Mississippi State players who have now taken their advantage and gone on to the senior circuit. Yeah, and it's crazy that, you know, the thing about it, a lot of MSU fans are very high on Dan Mullen at this point with how he left, and then we end up losing the old Miss. So, of course, you know, that made a lot of MSU fans mad because they felt like they blamed him for us losing the old Miss that year. But, you know, you have to give him credit for being able to develop a lot of those talents. Now, there were some guys that were there when he first got to Mississippi State. So, some of those were Chrome players, but there are a lot of players, the Dak Prescotts, the Fletcher Cox, the Chris Jones. He recruited a lot of guys and developed them and turned them to effective pros. So, it wasn't just Mullen, you know, him being able to turn us into a winner. He developed those guys to guys who can get into the league and actually turn into effective pros. And uh, I felt like he obviously did a much better job than Ole Miss did. You know, they're our biggest rival during that time period. Even though Ole Miss – you know, a lot of times got the guy that was number one in the country at the position. He did a good job of just developing good guys that were, you know, high character guys, you know, regardless of what you say about Mullen. And then he got them to the league because even I looked at the number of guys in the NFL. I was like, whoa, it was 30, 40, 50 guys on mainly on the defensive side of the football. But it was a lot of guys who are stars in the league right now. One of the best corners, of course, Dak, Chris Jones, Fletcher Cox. And now we're about to have Jeffrey Simmons and. Monte Sweat even has a corny commercial out there. <laughs> well, remember a lot of the years that you and I were running around together, a guy named Orgeron was in Oxford, Mississippi, and he was a complete joke of a coach, but he was a good recruiter. 
And guess Great. what? He used that experience at that school up north to go to a place called LSU, and he is doing great and might end up having a national championship if things work out. In fact, speaking of Ed Orgeron and the game that the Tigers have this weekend, in the next segment, Jeremiah Short and I are going to break down week 11 of SEC football, and we'll talk about that big game going on for the Tigers and the Crimson Tide. And Jeremiah, we actually won't be talking about Mississippi State this weekend as the dogs have a week off this weekend. Yes, we do. It's on a weird quirk in the schedule that you have two bye weeks. I didn't even realize it until I looked. I was like, whoa, we're off this week. So used to only having one bye week. So I guess it's good. I don't know if it's going to help us much against Alabama, though. Yeah, it's good, but uh, I'm not going to let you off the hook. We're going to get your take on the SEC lineup for week 11 in the next segment. But let's talk about those dogs. Last week, they went up to the Ozarks and came away with a big thumping against the Arkansas Razorbacks. And with the win, Joe Moorhead's team now is four and five. They don't have bowl eligibility in their back pocket quite yet. As you said, they've got the game against Alabama looming. They're two and four in SEC play. Things haven't exactly gone well this year. They've had some quarterback issues. What is Jeremiah Short's take on Mississippi State? Uh, as I said on, the, on our podcast, I think it's kind of hard, and I've had many arguments and debates with some of the other guys about this because I'm a supporter of Morehead, which kind of puts me in the minority right now, ironically, uh, with Mississippi State fans, black or white. But I, I think, like, the problem is, I say, like, how many teams do you know, and it's not making excuses, be down essentially to their four-string quarterback with all the suspensions that we had and lose um, – 10 players off their roster due to suspension most of the season, then you actually expect them to go out there and win games. It just doesn't happen. And I think a lot of that is what happened. You don't have a complete team. And a lot of those, some of those guys, and we've seen it when those guys have played, uh, Marcus Murphy, who made a lot of plays this past weekend, and a Willie Gay, they're very – one of them is a very good uh, coverage safety and can make a lot of a playmaker at the safety position. One of them is a very energetic linebacker and one of the leaders of the defense. You lose those guys, it just messes up the defense, and then you take into the count – take into account that you lose a Montez Sweat who is in the NFL now doing commercials, Jonathan Abram who's a star on hard knocks, and you have a Jeffrey Simmons who's already making an impact for the Tennessee Titans. You just can't lose those players and just expect to win games. It's just, And I think it's just a bad season, and I think the thing that's almost weird to me that Mississippi State fans are almost acting like we're some powerhouse and Joe Moorhead has just screwed up the squad and all those different type of things, but in reality, we are what we are. I mean, you lose, you're down to your four-string quarterback, and you don't have the pieces to win, you're not going to win games. And it's really that simple. All right, Jeremiah, for the casual fan who doesn't have the pulse on all things MSU like you do, is there a common denominator of some of these suspensions this year? Did something happen and a lot of people got in trouble, or is it just a bunch of different things? Oh, it was one thing. It was a – we call it Tudor Gate. We call them the Tudor Gate 10. And uh, apparently the guys got caught cheating in a chemistry class and – um, along with one of our basketball players, and apparently they were uh, a girl or whoever the tutor was was doing their work, and apparently what got them in trouble was the fact that the the particular tutor I don't even know her name or who she was, but she sent in the work while the players were actually playing. So that's kind of the yeah, that's that's not the wisest thing. So apparently those guys end up getting suspended. And truth be told, they're probably lucky they should have been kicked off out of the university. That's normally what happens in those situations, hmm. but. You know, they still in school. They I think they got suspended 70 percent of their seasons. And I think the basketball player had already started serving his suspension. So he's only going to miss 10 games this year. But the football players 
they missed eight games this year, and I think we had to pick the games in which they would play yeah. before the season. So, Okay. Well, no. I, somehow that was something that fell under the radar for me, and I didn't realize exactly what was going on in Starkville with this Tudor gate and not exactly <laughs> the smartest decision. Maybe she was an undercover agent for Alabama or that team up north, and she – had that thing sent in intentionally. Who knows? But it didn't help Joe Moorhead. Now, Jeremiah, a couple of weeks ago when State lost again and they had that pretty dismal record, I think it was 3-5 and five at that point, there was some mm. drum beats starting up for Joe Moorhead and that Mississippi State needed to make a coaching change. What's your thoughts on that? I think it was kind of a bit of an overreaction. I understand where people are coming from. I think the biggest thing, more, I mean, a lot of my friends did play for the team and um, were former Bulldogs, and a lot of them supported Moorhead at the beginning. But I think the thing, even a lot of players are starting to get disenchanted by, is more the fact that they feel like we don't play a Bulldog brand of football anymore. We're soft. Uh, teams just run over us, and it just looks like the Auburn game in particular where it's just we got embarrassed on national TV. We can't even get a game past 3 o'clock now. We can't even get night games anymore <laughs> because of – I mean, I think that's uh, – because normally we play well against those teams, at least made it competitive. But why would somebody put you on prime time and you're going to go out there and get drugged by 40 points? And I think that's kind of well, – a lot of people feel like he's not a fit. Paul Feinbaum, who for understanding has always been a Mississippi State hater, uh, he felt like Moorhead just isn't a fit. I think I think the biggest thing I see with a lot of fans, a lot of them are just upset. He's not a disciplinarian, and he's not a fiery type of guy. He is more that Bill Belichick type, where he's kind of more cerebral. So I think a lot of our fans want to see want to see the fire in his belly, so to speak. But he's just not that type of guy. And I think a lot of people are kind of upset by that because they're used to Mullen for nine years, and even a Croom and a Coach Chair, they kind of had that, I guess, presence about themselves. And Moorhead isn't that type of guy, um, but. Oddly enough, one of our old friends, Gene Swindoll, I know I was looking on his uh, web page. and he was talking about com. Yeah. <laughs> he actually, I still keep up with him, still support him, and, uh, you know, with the merger and everything. And he said he's kicked around the tires and looked into it and doesn't look like uh, none of the big money people are, have soured on Joe Moritz. So he's probably fine. I mean, former players are former players, but if he ain't controlling the money, I think we know that nothing's really going to happen. Well, I feel sorry for Joe Moorhead. Do you know why I feel sorry for the coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, Jeremiah? Why is that? I've had two people come up to me and say, hey, that Mississippi State coach, man, he looks just like you. And, and so I feel sorry for the guy. And, you know, sadly, he's younger than me, and he's got the gray hair and the facial hair. But he does kind of look like me, Jeremiah. I don't know what you think about that. I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, your eyes look pretty good, but never mind. <laughs> Are you saying Joe Moorhead's got ugly eyes? Come on, Jeremiah. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's all that I can say. I, I wouldn't say that. But, yeah. uh <laughs> Yep. Like I said, your hair isn't gray. <laughs> no, it's not gray. I, I mean, and, and, you know, good news for Joe and myself, I have hair, and a lot of people don't. And that's nothing nothing wrong with those out there. But, yeah, Joe Moorhead, yeah, he needs to win a couple games. And remember, State, as you mentioned, Jeremiah, they still haven't got that automatic loss on the schedule yet. And I'm talking about playing Alabama. Yeah, there's a <laughs> about a 1% chance they can win that one. But let's be honest here. And so that would put them at six losses to Alabama. Alabama, and therefore they can't lose any more games. I know they got the school up north slash the Sharks of uh, Lafayette County. That game's going to be at Davis Wade Stadium this year, by the way, on Thanksgiving night. Who's the other game Mississippi State's got left on the schedule? 
Oh, we got some D2 school, Abilene Christian. I don't know if my brother attended there. Uh, he, he, I think his undergrad there when he was in, he was in the military. He was okay. Abilene, so so that should be a win. So MSU yes. has the easy win, the expected loss, and then the toss-up game, and that would be on Thanksgiving night. So we'll, we'll, we won't get into project, projecting that far out. But still, if MSU gets to a ball game, it'll be by the closest of margins this year. But we Not know now, sure. thanks to Jeremiah, exactly what all happened there in Starkville here in 2019. Jeremiah, we got to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to walk through week 11 of SEC play. But as we go to break, real quick, your take on Mississippi State basketball, men's and women's, because that sport is getting underway this week with basketball. Oh, man, I think it's about to be a big season. I mean, I honestly hadn't been as into the, uh, especially not the boys in some years, but, you know, it's looking like we might actually finally, it took about 10 years, but they're finally about to be competitive again. So that's, you know, kind of exciting as a fan to really just think about. And you're being spoiled by those lady bulldogs as Coach Schaefer has had one of the best programs in NCAA women's basketball. And are they going to be as good this year? I think they're going to be a little younger, but I know we got a, a girl coming in, Rakia Jackson. I'm very, I'm very big on her. Like I said, I ain't never been a huge women's basketball person other than when I covered the team, but uh, watching her, she's somebody that's making me excited to really just watch the team again, like, and really just watch it because I, I really love the way she plays the game basketball. So I think she's one that can kind of take us to the top. I really do feel it. All right. Well, we like it when Jeremiah Short gets excited. Jeremiah with the Black Dog <laughs> Sports Podcast. Hey, Jeremiah, you got to stay excited through the break because when we come back, we're going to walk through this week 11 lineup of the Southeastern Conference. This is the Y'all Show. Don't go anywhere. I want to keep my heart healthy, so I get my cholesterol checked regularly. And when my doctor told me my cholesterol was borderline, I found garlic. According to my pharmacist, there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. And one garlic tablet is equal to a whole clove of garlic, except it's odor-free. Yep, I'm doing what I can for my cholesterol, and I'm doing it with garlic. Garlic, cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief on symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Would you get on an airplane if you knew it had a 50% chance of crashing? You may be riding that plane right now. If you have your money in a 401k or IRA and you plan to take out the recommended percentage each year when you retire, your chance of running out of money is 50%. 50%. But there's a better and safer way to secure your income in retirement. Discover how in a free book called Rescue Your Retirement. This wealth building strategy has never had a losing year in more than a century. In fact, even the man who invented the 401k now prefers this method instead. Get Rescue Your Retirement free for just a small shipping charge and enjoy a safe landing and a comfortable retirement. Get this free book and make sure you don't run out of money. 
Hurry, this offer is extremely limited. To get your free copy, just go to growwealthsafely.com. That's growwealthsafely.com to discover how to rescue your retirement. Growwealthsafely.com. Final segment of the Y'all Show Thursday edition. Our SEC spotlight rolls on. And thank you, famous Maroon Band, for the great sounds there as we start back. You won't be hearing the famous Maroon Band at a football stadium this weekend. Mississippi State is off this weekend. We're visiting with Jeremiah Short here in our spotlight of the SEC. Jeremiah has the all-Mississippi State Black Dog Sports podcast that you can check out on streaming devices. With an open weekend, Jeremiah, what are your plans? Uh, honestly, I have a, a, a training. Of course, I'm a teacher by trade now. So even though I still talk about sports occasionally, mm. uh, I'm a teacher by trade. So I'll be going to a training, learning how I can work with those uh, multilingual students and students who uh, need those extra support. So that's what I'll be doing on Saturday. I know, I know normally you support those dogs. In fact, I think just a couple of weeks ago, I saw your handiwork on Facebook. You were in attendance at Kyle Field when MSU uh, lost yeah. there. Oh yeah, I definitely was intended for that. Uh, but it still was, it still was an exciting game to go to, and I'm trying not to use that word. I try to use a more extensive vocabulary. But it was fun being there because I've always uh, and them was kind of my adopted Texas school in a way. Because yeah. I, I guess they remind me of Mississippi State so much, and apparently we modeled our whole school after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, to understand, so uh, I love their tradition. So that was kind of the, the great part about being there. You know, I got to see my dogs. Got to ride the bus and talk to other MSU fans, and that was really cool. And then just the thing about it, just seeing the Aggie traditions and just seeing dogs in person, even though we didn't really play the best and we didn't come out with the victory, it was still good to be able to see them. One more yes. similarity between the dogs and the Aggies. Both teams are off this weekend, but we do have plenty of SEC action going on, including something from the SEC East. Those Vanderbilt Commodores will be going to Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and the Florida Gators, ranked number 10 in the country. They're back at home after a very tough loss to the Georgia Bulldogs in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. This is one of those famous Jeremiah Short kickoff times, 12 noon, 11 central on ESPN. It's Vandy and the Gators. What do you think of this matchup? Uh, I think, obviously, uh, Florida takes it home. But the thing about it, I think Vandy pulled the upset the other week. And their team, you kind of got to watch out for it. Something about Derrick Mason, even though they probably hadn't been able to get over the hump. And his time there, I've always been – and I even suggested him, if we got rid of Moorhead, he would be a guy I would really like to see in, in that maroon and white. But his ability to motivate, he's, that's the type of trap game you have to kind of watch out for. So – I think Florida's going to pull it out, but at the same time, like that's the type of game I think you have to kind of watch out for because Derrick Mason does have an ability to motivate his players. The Arkansas Razorbacks are 2-7 and seven and have not won an SEC game in two years now, and they won't have to worry about winning an SEC game this weekend. They go out of conference as the Hilltoppers come in from Bowling Green. It's Western Kentucky and the Hogs, a SEC network kickoff time, 12 noon, 11 o'clock, in the Ozarks. Of course, last weekend, the Mississippi State Bulldogs embarrassed Arkansas in front of the home crowd there at Razorback Stadium. Can the Razorbacks win this weekend? Because if you were asking me, Jeremiah, I'd say this game's a toss-up. 
Yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, the fact that we're a team that struggled all year in offense and we went up and put, what, 50, 40-some points on them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's the type of game that maybe they can pull it out because they need to – you know, they need that victory then. Jerry Jones' grandson is starting. So, I mean, they have to win this. And, you know, Jerry Jones' grandson is the starter, even though that's probably just for the rest of the season because they have a young freshman, I think, that's going to probably take over next year. But at the same time, you know, that's a game where, you know, they kind of need to pull this while they need, they need, they need something the same way we needed to blow them out. They need something just to kind of get our fans hope. And I don't have names, but I think from what I read on one of the Arkansas websites that the Hilltoppers are kind of buffeted by a couple of transfers from Arkansas, oddly enough. So that would be rather embarrassing if the Hilltoppers did go into Fayetteville and win. Remember last year, North Texas, out of that same conference, CUSA, embarrassed the Hogs. Eh, That was more of an October matchup. Hey, the Aggies are playing this weekend, Jeremiah. They'll be at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium where the fish of Mississippi, the Mississippi Land Sharks, and the Aggies have an SEC Network game set for 4 Eastern, 3 o'clock. But no, this is not the Texas A&M Aggies. They've already gone into Vaught-Hemingway and won this year. It's New Mexico State. And will the fish swim accordingly this weekend and get a rare win? I think so. I mean, obviously they've had a kind of a upside down, you know, year with the quarterback position. But I really like uh, Ole Miss is like the running back they have and Jerry and Ely. They got some pieces. I mean, they, they always managed to recruit a few talented players. So I think they'll pull this one out. Now, is Ely the freshman from the Jackson, Mississippi area? Is that him? Yeah, I think he, yeah, he went to Jackson Prep, I think, if okay. I'm not mistaken. All right. He's a guy that I think had a chance to play professional baseball. And I guess he'll be playing for Mike Bianco's baseball club here in a couple of months. But that game, again, is your mid-afternoon game on the SEC Network. The Missouri Tigers, I don't think they've won a road game all year, and I doubt they'll win this weekend. Mizzou will be between the hedges in Athens, number six Georgia, riding high after their cocktail party win. This game set for 7 Eastern, 6 o'clock Central on ESPN. What do you think of this SEC East battle? I almost feel pain. I feel like Georgia, of course, is still trying to hang on to life of being in the national championship pitcher. So that's the type of game where they're going to try to go out and try to embarrass somebody. I think right now, of course, Alabama and LSU are the two leaders in the clubhouse for the SEC, but Georgia has the inside track on at least being in the SEC championship game against one of those teams. So, of course, they're probably going to try to make a statement this weekend. So I think they'll do that, especially with Justin Fields playing Ohio State and kind of shining up there and being in the highest trophy race and a lot of people questioning whether or not they made the right decision to go with Jake Fromm over him. I think you, you definitely want to see them kind of make a statement this weekend. Wrapping up here with Jeremiah Short of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. That's the all Bulldog, as in Mississippi State Bulldog podcast that you can check out. And he's been kind enough to take some time out to talk SEC as MSU enjoys an open weekend this weekend. In Columbia at Williams-Brice Stadium, a team that was just in the top 25 comes in to the cockpit. Appalachian State fell in a Thursday night matchup in Week 10, and they fell to Georgia Southern. And now the Mountaineers out of Boone go south to Columbia. This is an ESPN2 broadcast set for 7 o'clock Columbia, South Carolina time. What do you think of this one? <laughs> I think we know what's going to happen there. I think South Carolina is going to be able to take care of business against them. Really? Um, Will much? Uh, Will Muschamp, I think, you know, a lot of people criticize him and even him probably even getting the job because it feels like he didn't do anything to deserve a second job. But I think he's done a decent job there in South Carolina, and I think he's going to eventually get them going the right way. I just don't know if they'll ever be dominant enough, you know, with the competition that he does have to face. 
um, in the SEC. Uh-huh. And you can't, if you're an old-timer like me, Jeremiah, you can't mention the words Appalachian State and South Carolina Gamecocks without thinking of the great Sparky Woods, who was the Gamecocks coach back in the early 90s and came directly to Columbia from Appalachian State, where he had been their head coach, and came to Columbia after Joe Morrison, the man in black, died suddenly in 1989. And Woods came uh-huh. there and was the head coach when the Gamecocks transitioned from an independent to an SEC member and Let's just say things didn't go all that great during the time that he was an SEC oh, coach. Oh, he was an offensive coordinator, so trust me, I know about that. Yeah. We used to call Sparky Wood plays. That's what we used to call them. All right. <laughs> well, that's the game going on on ESPN2 on Saturday evening. And then you got the Battle of the Barrel, even though they don't give a barrel out anymore. It's Tennessee and their rivalry game with the Kentucky Wildcats. This game set for 7.30 Lexington, Kentucky time, and it'll be 6.30 Central time on the SEC Network. And you've seen, as a Mississippi State guy, both of these teams this year, and it's really a tale of two games for Mississippi State as MSU in Starkville just killed Kentucky and then they go to Knoxville MSU that is and they get killed by Tennessee <laughs> yeah it's interesting the thing about Kentucky though you know they have Lynn Bowden starting at quarterback and so they just you know they didn't have I guess anybody to quarterback was it and they decided hey we just gonna go put our best athlete out there and just go get it you know he actually was impressive in his first start um when he did become the starter in Tennessee I think you know, Jeremy Pruitt is probably hearing the whispers and er- everybody criticizing him, and maybe they made a bad hire. So, you know, they played pretty. I think we might have just caught a bud. So, when we played them, it was looked like it was going to be an easy victory. So, I mean, it isn't the most exciting SEC matchup, but I'm sure both teams are going to go out there and try to go hard. Well, I think both, it's one of those. both teams have four wins total, and they need every win they can get as the yeah. season winds down in SEC play. Tennessee is two and three. The Wildcats are two and four, and they're kind of to the bottom of the SEC East, but a win will go a long way to bowl eligibility. And the final game in the SEC, we can't overlook this one. It's yeah. taking place in Tuscaloosa. It's your mid-afternoon game on on CBS, it's LSU and Alabama. Jeremiah Short, what do you think of this one? Oh, man, it's – I do think Alabama is the stronger team, but I think the layer – the thing you have to look at with this is, you know, Tua's coming off the injury, and he had a procedure a couple of weeks ago, and you kind of got to wonder if, you know, he'll be 100% healthy because if he isn't, I don't know if Alabama can pull it out. I don't know if they're going to beat LSU with Mac Roach at quarterback or – Maybe they'll play his brother. I, I That I will be keeping my eye on. So I don't want to hedge my bets. But I think Alabama is definitely the stronger team. Uh, LSU has some good players. Joe Burrow's a really good Heisman caliber quarterback. They actually have an offense for a change. Really good defense. Um, and, you know, we gave them a good game for a little bit, and they pulled off on us. But Alabama's Alabama. And I, I've always told people I never pick against Nick Saban, even when we play him. Mm. So he's a guy – I just don't bet against that man. That man – but if two is not playing, uh, it's hard for me to believe they can beat LSU. Cause LSU's too strong. I wouldn't even disrespect them like that, though. So I'm not hedging my bet. So as of now, two should be healthy. So I would pick Alabama because I feel like they're just stronger. And they are who they are. They have, they're going to out-athlete LSU. I just don't think LSU's to that, back to that level yet, even though Coach O is doing an excellent job of recruiting and leading that team. I mean, who would have thought that Coach Owen 8 would become a potential <laughs> national <laughs> Oh, that's going way back there with that reference to 2007, I guess. 
Oh, I remember being at the game when he made that infamous call where he decided to. What, what did he decide to do? Punt the ball? Go for? No, no he, he went. We went for it on fourth and one. And <laughs> yes, I remember that. Hey, he used he used that school in Oxford as a training ground, and good for him. Good for him. He's he's it's paying dividends for him right now, and it'll pay even more dividends if the Bayou Bengals get the win in Tuscaloosa this Saturday afternoon. This game again, three thirty Eastern, two thirty on C. BS. Well, Jeremiah Short has been kind enough to share his SEC thoughts with us here. We have week 11 of college football. And again, Jeremiah, you can find his great analysis of all things Mississippi State on the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Jeremiah, thank you for taking some time to talk to us here on the Y'all Show, sir. Man, thanks for having me on, man. It was kind of fun just to talk about uh, Bulldog Sports and SEC Sports um, this week with you, man. Um, It's good, like I said, to connect with you again. Uh, Again, man, Great show. Hey, thank you, Jeremiah. We appreciate your Southern hospitality. Well, that will wrap up our y'all show here on this Thursday. Don't forget, Friday, it's all college football talk. It's the y'all kickoff show. Two hours of gridiron greatness. And we'll be on with you with that. Included in that is General Gridiron. Until that time, have a great rest of your day. And thank you for listening to the show that's all about the South. This is the y'all show with your gracious host, John Rawl. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. From, ooh, to, aww. Whatever reaction you're looking for this holiday, spread more joy with holiday cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And now you can get up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. Discover cards in the latest trends or fill a calendar with your favorite photos. So make more merry at Vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus great deals on photo gifts. Just enter code HOLIDAY50 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com. Code HOLIDAY50. Hi, I'm your host, Smokey Cole Bear. Filling in for Smokey, because after 75 years of... Only you can prevent wildfires. Turns out there's much more to say. Nearly 90% of wildfires are caused by us humans being careless, dumping our used barbecue coals willy-nilly. Guess the song was wrong. We did start the fire. That's why I respect Mother Nature and her trees, whether coniferous or new car scented. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council.